0: Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply.
1: We're coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loan Studios. They found a better way to mortgage so you can focus on making your new house home. Rocket Mortgage. Push button. Get mortgage. Sunday, it's an NFL on CBS doubleheader with many of you seeing two of the most dynamic young quarterbacks in the game airing it out when Mahomes and the Chiefs welcome Watson and the Texans to Arrowhead followed. By the Cowboys visiting the Jets at MetLife, it all begins with JB and the guys getting you focus for football on the NFL today at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific on CBS. Our toll-free line, 855-2124-CBS, is brought to you by Geico. Great news, you can save a bunch of money, switch to Geico, go to geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you can save 15% or more on your car insurance. One of the best, our buddy Jonesy, Steve Jones, in Penn State land. Happy Valley, big road trip to Connect Stadium in Iowa City on Saturday night under the lights as they take on the 4-1 Hawkeyes. Big road test for the 5-0 and Lions. How you doing, Jonesy?
0: Uh, it is so good to be with you again. Your show sounds better than ever, my friend. It really my,
1: does. My man, thanks, Jonesy. Right, so uh, this is huge for uh, Penn State. I, I think... You know, I won't deny, I think they're a better, I I do think they're a better football team than Iowa, but they will have their hands full in this game on the road like always.
0: Oh, I think you're absolutely right about that. I think they will because Iowa is going to play better in that atmosphere. It's going to be a stripe out. They're going to wear different uniforms, the whole deal. Stanley's a good quarterback. Their defense is really good. I mean, you can talk about the offense struggling at Michigan the way they did, but they only gave up ten points. If you were to pull Kirk Ferentz aside before the game, Scotty, you know that if you pull him aside and say you're going to give up 246 yards and ten points, he's probably feeling pretty good. He's going to walk out of there with a win. So they've got a defense that can really play. Penn State's got a defense that that can really play. So this could end up being a, a tug of war out there. I mean, I can't even believe. I was
1: looking at your schedule. Uh, the rest of the way, and it is absolutely brutal. I mean, you're playing in Iowa City, then uh, home against Michigan, at East Lansing, at Minnesota, they're undefeated, Indiana at home, they've been able to score a lot, and then you play at Columbus late November and finish it up with uh, lowly Rutgers at home that you'll spank. But that stretch between Iowa and Ohio State, is it's as brutal a schedule as I, I think
0: I've seen and the next time we talk, we're going to know exactly how good Penn State is because of that schedule. I thought this schedule, and these schedules were put together years in advance, but I thought this schedule was really perfect for this team. Come out of the gate, easy game. Then you play a better team the next week. Then you play Pitt the next week, so that's a better team. Then you get a bye week to reassess. Then they went to Maryland, first road test, one big. Came back, played homecoming. Now they've got this game, Michigan, Michigan State, you mentioned. Then a bye week to then heal up a bit, reassess, and then hit the stretch run. So there's a lot of elements to the schedule where you have a lot of tough games, obviously, in a row, but there's that five-week built in the middle that allows you to pull back a little bit.
1: Jonesy, did you think that when McSorley left that you guys would be this good?
0: I thought defensively they'd be this good. Let's start with that because they're deep, and I'll give you a good example. Michael Parsons in the Maryland game playing a terrific opening quarter, and he's probably the best defensive player in the field. And then gets a targeting call. They bring in Jesse Laqueta to replace him. Laqueta then becomes the best defensive player on the field. That's the kind of depth that developed. Offensively, you mentioned McSorley. That means Sean Clifford stepping in. Clifford, of course, hadn't started the game since he was a senior in high school. But you could always see, because I'm at practice all the time, that this guy can really throw the football. The element that's really helped him is his ability to occasionally tuck it in and run it. And that really benefits you in the red zone. Because if you have a quarterback that's a pro-style quarterback, in the red zone you don't have to account for him. But a quarterback that can move and Clifford can move, now you have to account for them in the red zone, and that means they have to take a player out of the coverage
1: to do it. Tell me about this kid, uh, this pass rusher, Gross
0: Matos. I mean, my God, he's, he's like tearing it up for you guys. He's been incredible. He's had two outstanding years here. He had 20 tackles for losses last year and 14 sacks a year ago. So he comes back this year, and he's really picked up where he left off. He's already, what, six and a half sacks in the season going into this game. Just a terrific edge rusher who has a great first step, but he's also got a powerful upper body. So when they go sometimes with a four-defensive end package, they can flip him inside at a defensive tackle spot and play him from there and get pressure up the middle with him.
1: How about uh, the the corner, Reed, who's come up big with a couple of
0: huge picks for you guys? Reed is, you want to talk about, quote, student of the game? He watches more video than anybody, to the point where he even watches video on Penn State's receivers so he can cover them in practice. That's the kind of student that he is out there. So he anticipates moves because of all the video he watches all the time. So he's an excellent cover guy, and because he watches as much video as he does, he has a pretty good anticipation of how a receiver is going to run a route, what the favorite route happens to be, and what the quarterback might be thinking. That's how much he pours into it.
1: I love this uh, kid, Castro Fields, as well, that not only, not only does he, like, I'm watching him the other day against Purdue, whatever, and, and, uh, or maybe it was another game, but I saw him uh, just making tackles, and, you know making plays that had nothing to do with you know, defending the pass. He was coming up and making hits and getting involved in uh, plays in front of him as opposed to running backwards and trying to defend the pass.
0: He's a complete football player. I mean, so he will attack the run, and he'll also rush off the edge. As a defender, he brings length to the corner, long arms, six-one frame, and now as a veteran, there's a big play he makes in the Maryland game a couple of weeks ago where he baits the quarterback into making the throw and he picks it off at the goal line and essentially creates a 14-point turnaround in that game. You just can't put a price with your corners on the experience that Reed and Castro Fields have.
1: What are they saying at Penn State about, like, uh, what it'll be like to recruit now with these states that are trying to uh, impose this new law about uh, paying players for their likeness and everything that uh, Gavin Newsom, the governor of California, passed now all these – uh, copycats are doing it. Uh, what, what, what are like the Penn state football program athletically in terms of their recruiting? How will it affect? Cause a lot of kids are going to want to think that they're going to go somewhere like California and they think they're going to make money because they think they're famous or something. Uh, is that affecting recruiting in any capacity? Do you think down the road?
0: Uh, not yet. And I think they'll take a wait and see attitude on it. This is how I view it. Uh, the bill in California does not go into play until January 1st, 2023. So right now there's about 39 months before that goes into play. I think that gives the NCAA 27 months of no pressure, but to sit down and work this out for everybody across the board without the pressure doing it. Now, when you get to the last 12 months, you and I know it gets the last 12 months and there's going to be a lot of pressure to get get something done but i think they need to sit around the table go through the positives go through the unintended consequences and try and weed out as many of those as possible and when they do i think it'll it'll benefit the student athletes that this next 27 months i think will be very important to to shape how this is going to be going forward
1: how about uh, the receiving, guys like Hamler, Dotson, and uh, and others? They've got so many guys that are making plays. I, I love that uh, Clifford's throwing it to different guys, and-, and they have so many different guys producing. I love Hamler and Dotson.
0: Well, you should. I mean, Hamler's got 427 speed, and he just gets out there, and he has moves, and he is a big play, home run hitter. Dotson on the other side – is about as natural a receiver as you'll ever see to the point where you ask yourself when you watch him just say in practice, is it really that easy? Even though you and I both know it's really hard. That's the kind of player he is. And then Pat Firemuth and Nick Bowers have turned into a really good one-two punch at tight end. So when they're out there on Dotson, on Hamler, on Justin Shorter, they still have those tight ends that they can throw to that can be critical cogs in the passing game.
1: Do you think uh when tell me what the reaction was uh, on like campus and with Franklin? I saw him do the uh the presser where he talked about the you know the the alumni that wrote the nasty letter about the the kid's hair which i I found to be somewhat disturbing and ridiculous at the same time, but did you like what was the the reaction of everybody around the the program to uh, someone actually like attempting to you know make that letter into some kind of form of reality, and then uh, I liked what Franklin the way he handled it. What did you
0: think man I think you yeah, I think you summed it up perfectly that 's the way almost everybody feels about it around here it 's ridiculous it's disgusting it 's insulting. I think mean, Jonathan Sutherland himself said it was rude, uh, and this is the problem I have the problem I have is this. Why is somebody from 30,000 feet sending a letter to a student-athlete right, that they don't even know? Jonathan Sutherland is a Dean student. Jonathan Sutherland is somebody who gives back in the community. He's one of the unquestioned leaders on the team. We're always looking for leadership all the time. And so who cares what his hairstyle is? He's also, by the way, you'll check him out, a really good football player. So he embodies all the good things that you're looking for in a student-athlete. And so you're going to judge somebody from 30,000 feet that you don't even know. It's one thing to criticize somebody you know for good reason. It's another thing to criticize somebody you have no clue who they are whatsoever. And that's where it goes back to yours, your point. Disgusting and uh, ridiculous. I think it's were the two words that you used. I don't think you're spot on with both. Did you, uh, When they
1: went to College Park, uh, what did you think? Did you sit there and look at your... Uh partner and and in crime in the booth and and say what is happening here I mean you rolled them like a cigar it was unbelievable the beating you put on them I've I have you know I've I'm troubled by the Rutgers Maryland Nebraska thing it's just me Jonesy I I I still think Nebraska should be in the big 12 and I and I don't like what you know frankly I hate to say it what Maryland and I think Maryland's done decent in basketball, and they've been a lot more involved. Rutgers is a laughingstock. I don't care what anybody says, but what you did to them there was the, the epitome of, I think, what's wrong. They let these three in, and it just never seemed to uh, weigh right
0: anymore. Yeah, you know, going with 14, I can understand going with 12. I mean, splitting into two, six, you know, team right. divisions. I mean, that, that made sense to me. You know, the addition, I know you can talk about the 16 million homes between New York, Baltimore, Washington, and so forth. But it has changed the dynamics of the conference. There's no question about that. And you're right. Penn State went in there, and Penn State picked off a pass Jim Johnson did in the opening drive. They scored on an eight-yard run, one play. You know, scored again. Up fourteen, nothing. Fields picks off the ball at the goal line. Fields the only legitimate Maryland drive. Penn State goes the other way, ninety-five yards. It's twenty-one, nothing, and yeah. But Jack Kim and I looked at each other before the game, and we both said to each other privately before we went on that it was a distinct possibility they could run that team out. and They did. Yeah, they
1: sure did. Uh, they're not that bad. Uh, you know, no, they're, they're not. They're, no, they're, not. They're, no, they're not. You're right. They were that bad that day, but they're really not that bad overall. I think Rutgers is. Do you think that uh, – what do you think of that high school guy, Campanelli, getting that job? Do you think he has any shot in hell? Because he was a hell of a high school coach. His whole family is legendary in North Jersey. Uh, the Campanellis are, are like gods around football and high school football in this area.
0: Well, you know what? You know, I you know I hope he does well there because, obviously, he's worked hard to get to this point as an interim, but you're also throwing a curveball in this. The starting quarterback, Arthur Sikowski, and his running back, Raheem Blackshear, announced after the fourth game that they're not playing the rest of the season, that they're going to redshirt the rest of the year. So what does that do to his odds of putting something together when two of his players are saying, no, we'll wait till next year to play? And that happened in Houston with King, the quarterback, and the wide receiver. And We're going to get to a point with this, and you know darn well it's a possibility, where a team is in the sick of the race to go to the college football playoff, and then in game eight they lose, and a couple a couple of guys say, you know what, we're going to shut it down. We're going to get ready for the draft. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm concerned at some point we're going to get to that that point.
1: Yeah, you're. I think you're right, Jonesy. I really do, and and it is troubling, no doubt. I can't wait to watch this game. I think it's going to be a, a nail biter in uh, Connect on Saturday night under the lights, 7:30. Uh, Have a great game, Jonesy. Always a pleasure having you on. Love following the Nittany Lions. We'll see how they do in this tough stretch coming up. We'll be in touch. Always awesome to be here, my friend. Thanks so much. There he is, Steve Jones, the legendary voice of the Penn State Nittany Lions football and basketball. 855-212-4CBS. Dodgers still up 3-1. What, are they making a pitching change, right? No,
2: Kershaw just got out of the inning. Big strikeout. Oh, he got out of the inning
1: 3-1 still, going to the bottom of the seventh.
0: You're listening to Pharrell on the bench.
1: I don't understand that at all. I really don't. I've never understood that, so what do I know? But all I know is uh, they they named it that, and I'm just like, why why did you do that? That's just not a good idea.
2: Very puzzling decision. And when we talk to somebody who, you know, is there—
1: they made we fun were of it, too. we out in
2: L.A., they were like, I don't get it either.
1: They made fun of it, too. We won't elaborate. No. I will say this. Uh, on another uh, subject entirely, Um, that place, w- one of the great places ever was when I used to get off the air there, and I, they had a strip club right across the street. I mean, and I mean, this place was hell on earth, right? And I mean, it was, I mean, literally, they've had murders there, like, in the parking lot, right? Like, so fights spill out into the parking lot. People have had their heads blown off in this parking lot, right? Literally. I'm not even kidding. And I used to, like, <laughs> I used to get off the air and go over there. Of course I went to the strip club. Are you kidding? I'm Pharrell. I did everything. So I not only did I go to the strip club, I knew all the strippers by name. They all knew it. I'd walk through the place. I'd be, they'd be like, hey, Pharrell. I'd be like, what's up? It was way worse at Howard when I had I knew every penthouse pet and every porn star ever. I knew they all know me by name, and I have all their phone numbers. So like I knew them all because they would come on my show, and then I became friends with them. I'd go out and party with them. It was awful. I mean, my life was going to hell. I was gonna, I, I would have been dead. I'd be dead by now if I didn't stop partying. I, and everyone knows it. People, I do you see when we saw the people from Atlanta when we were in LA? The guys like God, you look great. Because they knew when I didn't, <laughs> they knew when I didn't look great, you know, like, cause now I'm just bask. I play basketball. I'm ripped. I'm in great shape. I'm in, I, I'm, you know, I work out every day. I ball every day. I'm in, you know, phenomenal for an old dude. But back in the day, I looked like a, I looked like Keith Richards. I was beat up. I was hammered. I was, I looked like I was headed to the casket. I had literally. I used to have to wear belts just to uh, to tighten my pants to keep them from falling down because I partied so much. I I didn't weigh more than a buck sixty, soaking wet. It was bad, but I you can't have my radio studio right across the street from a gigantic strip club. I mean, this place wasn't. It, it, it was so huge. It was like you remember the ones uh, Carver Eye in Vegas, like those enormous ones. Yes, I went to them. You didn't, but I went to all those enormous strip clubs. Wink. And uh, you know the ones I went to by myself?
2: Yes, you were there by
1: yourself. Yeah. Um, when I was there by myself, there's like 7 million people there. They're enormous. That's what this place was like. And it was literally right. I could spit from my car across the street into the parking lot. I didn't even have to, because you had to like pay to park there, right? So I just left my car in the radio station lot. I tell the guy, the producer, the overnight guy, I go like, dude, I'm going to text you. Unlock the gate. Because, you know, once the gate closes, you can't get your car out. So I would say, listen, dude. I'm going to the strip club. I'm gonna score blow, and then I'm gonna text you. Open the gate, because once I'm high, I can't. Are we on the air? Uh, once I'm high, I can't. I won't be able to get over that electric fence. You need to. You need to open the gate for me, because I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be super inebriated when I get my car. I'm gonna be super lit, and it's not good. Like the like Buck Cherry, when you're lit and you're just on a. I'm on a plane on cocaine, and you're lit, and you're like, I need my car, but I don't even know where it is. Those were very bad days, Carver High. Very bad behavior, felonious behavior. I do not recommend or condone that to anyone at all unless you can get away with it. I got to tell you, I got a lot of leg out of it. I really did. I was such a troublemaker. I was, I was like Burt Reynolds. I was a lover, and I had it all going. I had a 1,000 girlfriends at once, and I lied to all of them was not good at keeping a calendar or keeping appointments or being on time for anything.
2: I had the same problem back in the day. You know what I mean? Yeah.
1: You still have the, some of those problems. Well, you don't have the chick problems. Yeah, not
2: that anymore. I mean, back... You're in, all married back now with heyday, kids. in the yeah, I did.
1: But you've had those days in the parking lot where you couldn't get the car. Oh, I've... I've had that a- was last week at the Islander game.
2: No, 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 no. I've, <laughs> I've grown up. But back in the day when I was... When I was really going good.
1: So when you that went to the Islander game last week, I know you had like 20 beers. How'd you get home?
2: That'd be a negative. I did not have 20 beers. How I many did you have, 40? I had two out at the tailgate, and I actually didn't even have one during the game.
1: Two beers? What kind of femme is that? I saw you drink 11 beers in one hour.
2: I drove there on Friday night.
1: Oh, so because you drove, you went water and chilled.
2: Yeah, I, ju- I was just there. You know. But you
1: just- have a seltzer?
2: Uh, I, didn't, I didn't really have anything during the game just so. didn't have anything I Lightweight. Just, I'm doing a lot of
1: No, that's because you went up to the press box And one guy had already brought his snot-nosed kids up there And they had drank all the liquids And eaten all the food already themselves illegally Right?
2: Yeah, I don't take anything from up there
1: How about the guy shows up with his snot-nosed kid And goes up to the press box And loads up on food and candy and popcorn and soda Free up in the press box And then goes back down to his crappy seats Who does that? Pretty amazing. That's why you went in there and there was nothing left for you because he took it all. I
2: actually did not go up there uh, Friday night. I was kind of doing my thing. You know what I do during the game is before and and during the game, I'm kind of walking around. I'm talking to people. Do you
1: hang out up in that little dinky-ass press box? i go up
2: there before the game for a couple minutes just to say hi to either B-Comp or Butchie. That's the worst press box in the league. It is without question the worst. I'll
1: say this. It is the size of a bathroom. Oh,
2: that's the problem, is the size of it. And you can't sit, like, guys are you sitting. You can't move. All the guys covering the team, you know, they're sitting each, next to each other like this. Like, they're. you want a seat up here tonight? I go, no, thanks. I'm going to go watch downstairs yeah. at the ramp. You know, I'm, I'm not going to go it's st- terrible. squish myself in with all this, with this whole.
1: Crew. I've been in there. It's the worst. I called games there. I was like, what a dump.
2: It's unbelievable. It really is. Well, it's because
1: it's so old.
2: But I'm doing, like, aisle seat work while I'm at the. Can you seat. imagine,
1: though, like, one day they built that and thought that it was kick ass? You know what I mean?
2: Well, I mean, it was 1972 in, in the... was a long time ago. But, I mean, I mean, can you imagine
1: at one time that it was? Oh, what? they thought it
2: was the greatest thing ever. They thought it ever. was the greatest
1: thing ever. And then now they have these Shangri-Las, like, like the now, one in Vegas. The
2: w- well, the one in uh, where the devil's at the Rock. I mean, that press box. It's nice.
1: You're on a roof.
2: I mean, you are so far away from the
1: rink. It's bad. Well, Vegas is the same. But
2: but the seats are so nice, but it's just you're a million miles away from the game.
1: Vegas has literally, I mean, they might as well have a restaurant in there. They have so much food up there and so much junk food and candy and popcorn. And, like, I mean, like, every chocolate known to man. I mean, they have more stuff up there. Like, it was like... I mean, the Shangri-La of press boxes. I remember going with Mafia to the Penguin game in Vegas, and I literally ate 7,000 pounds of M&Ms and chocolate and popcorn in, like, two hours. I had When I went back to the MGM, I literally had kernels all in my teeth and chocolate all over my teeth. So when anyone looked at me, I looked like a scene from a bad movie. I was just covered in chocolate. I ate everything I saw. I ate set, I must have eaten 12 cups of popcorn, 12 buckets in a row. And he's like, you're on drugs. I'm like, I wish.
2: You're a big fan of um, stadium and arena popcorn. Like, I am. It's just whatever you go to one of these places, you It's,
1: it's you a huge, get the huge I, event. Imagine
2: if you were at the Coliseum last Friday, uh, you wouldn't have gotten any.
1: Because they don't have it
2: there? Some guy, I forgot to tell you this, some guy came up to me at the tailgate and was like, Scott Farrell, uh, gave me, I won Islander tickets from him once, and I met him here at the parking lot, and I, like, he was giving me this whole story. I was like, when was this? He's like, 20 years ago, I won tickets from Scott right. on his show at the Islander game. Right. Dude was so wasted. It was I used hard to, for me to get the story. To,
1: I used to go to Islander games back in the day. I did. I went to a bunch of them. I, I've been to a bunch of them. What is that now? Three two. Three two. Rendon hit one out. We got a good game going on here. Wouldn't it be great to see the Dodgers choke? It
2: awesome. would be great. And the Nationals have had so
1: many Can opportunities
2: you to score well, runs tonight.
1: And so it'd be the Cardinals and Nationals. And you know what'll happen? The Cardinals are going to the World Series. Of course they would. That'll be that. They don't lose. I ever. placed
3: a Cardinals World Series bet in February.
1: That's great. At what odds?
3: It was oh, it was like plus six fifty.
1: So you – oh, and there's another home run. Oh, this is beautiful. This is back-to-back home runs? This
3: is fantastic. This is unbelievable. How about it, Clayton Kershaw?
1: Wow, he's getting lit up. What a shame. Who was that, Soto? Soto. Soto just destroyed a pitch into the seats, like 30 rows up. I mean, he just destroyed it. Now it's a tie game in the eighth inning. It's You know, this is going to be walk-off. Next next, uh, run wins. How about Rendon and Soto back-to-back on Kershaw? How humiliating. I got an idea. Now that I've ruined the update, let's give it over to Marco Belletti.
3: Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it.
1: So I went 64%, then 64%, then last week 67% in my college bets. So, uh, college has been very strong uh, in terms of uh, hitting bets and making people fat stacks. You got to get on PharrellOnTheBench.com because starting tonight, I already hit Appalachian State. They were getting two and a half. They won the game outright. I took them to win and getting the two and a half at Louisiana. Good game. They won it 17-7. All the picks are posted for Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Every game, college and pros, all of them are ranked. Pharrellonthebench.com rules. You're going to love it. Trust me. Dig the site like everybody else. Sign up. Hide the money from your wife. It's the greatest thing ever. By the way, uh, starting, I think, the first week of November now, they're telling me, Carver High, that the site will change. The new site will be out in the first week of November, and it's going to blow your mind. So before I thought it'd be mid-October. Now the guy's telling me, screw you, first week of November, and then that'll be that. It's going to be better than ever. It's going to be—you uh, won't believe what I've done to it. I've made it even better for the fans, better for the customers, better for everybody. You're going to freak when you see it. It'll be—and it, it'll change everything for, you know, these uh, services and handicapping sites. Trust me. Mine's already the baddest uh, mother of all of them, and now it's going to be the baddest mother-foreller of all of them. It already is. Now it's going to be even better. So, uh, there you go. Uh, Great game uh, now, 3-3. The pressure's on. Uh, Carver High having problems with uh, Maeda getting all involved. After getting a strikeout, he he lost his marbles, and then he did it again after he got another strikeout. But I'll give him this. He gave more than Kershaw did. Well, the amazing thing
2: is is that Kershaw came in in the seventh and relieved Bueller and got out of the inning with a big strikeout and then comes out and gives up the back-to-back homers to start the eighth. Bueller pitched so good. Uh, you feel bad for the kid because he was – it was unbelievable the way he pitched. I think he threw 117 pitches. He got himself out of a couple of jams. He was excellent tonight. And Kershaw just, as usual, let's be fair, as usual, never there when it matters in a postseason,
1: ever. So, uh – BMac, you have a you have a ticket for uh the Cardinals to go all the way.
3: Yeah, in February I placed the Yankees one for the World Series and the Cardinals for the World Series.
1: It's a great bet because uh you know what, I've said this a number of times on the uh show. They just simply win.
3: They're one of those franchises in sports. I think every sport has one where if they get in, they're dangerous no matter what era, That's right. no matter what time, no matter who's in the team, they get in the playoffs. There's just an aura around those franchises where, for some reason, they just they
1: win titles. They get there. It's so weird. Not man. only do they win, they get there. Like, they're going to, you know, I now that they're in it, uh, you know, betting against them in the NLCS is a tough way to make a living. They'll end up winning that thing. They'll go to the World Series. They're, just they're like I told to. you they'd beat this team. Uh, and then I I didn't have the guts to bet on them tonight, but they, I should have because I I'm the one telling you from day one they never lose they never lose
3: their lineups really complete the, their bullpens the best in the National League their starting pitching is like really sound that's a really good team Scott they're going to represent the National League in the uh, in the World Series I just don't know if anyone beats the Yankees or the Astros whoever gets there Listen, I don't think anyone's beaten.
1: I thought that the you know I thought that the, um, you know, I, I thought that the You know, yesterday, it was a done deal with Verlander, and I lost that bet too. I I cannot believe how badly he looked on three days rest. I I couldn't even believe what I was watching. Now everyone thinks that this guy, Cole, is automatic, and that, like, literally everyone, Hinch, media, national, local in Houston, there's not a single person. Uh, Didn't we talk last night about it? Like, how can you think that they're not gonna win with Garrett Cole pitching? But that's what I said. The same thing I thought when Verlander was on the mound that it was automatic and they got their ass beat. I don't think anything is automatic. Tonight, uh, no one in their right mind thought that it would be 10 to nothing in one inning. No one in their right mind saw that coming. So I don't think anyone knows anything. I don't think you have any – look at tonight. Did you see that just happen? Rendon and Soto back-to-back bombs off Kershaw. Who thought in their right mind they'd see one of them, let let alone back-to-back bombs. But this guy Kershaw continues to amaze me because in big games he is an absolute – you know what he is? He's like, uh, what is that? Tofu? Is it like melted cheese food? That's what he is. Tofu. He's – you know what Kershaw is? Tofu. He can't win a big game.
2: He never can win a big game. And, look, I know people think it's automatic tomorrow. There's one thing I've learned a bunch of times, not just in baseball but in these other sports, in an elimination game, anything can happen. I mean, the smallest – look at today, like you said, 10
1: runs in the first inning. Who
2: saw that coming?
1: I mean, for – Did people actually stay and sit there? I hope not. Uh, did they? How, did, could, how could? Did they? they pour out of the stadium? Was it empty? I, I'd
2: uh, have to check the Twitter feeds of some of our Atlanta friends. Because when it was
1: it empty? Amazing. Did they leave after like the third inning and go they home? Had to have. There's you no reason to.
3: Local bars at that point.
1: Can you imagine? Like Murph's was probably empty. They're probably I, they poured out of there like it was on fire. Seriously, like who sticks around after you're down ten nothing? And then how about like an inning later it was thirteen nothing.
3: Is that the most pathetic playoff loss of all time?
1: I think it is. Like, I don't know what was worse. Obviously, it has to be the Falcons and the Super Bowl because, the, the, you know, the division series is not quite the same juice as a Super Bowl when you're up 25 at the half and there were people. I was in Vegas, right? And I was at this party, 5,000 deep, sold out, nudity and just debauchery and everyone was so hammered and just pouring champagne on naked bodies I mean I was at my he'll tell you naked bodies people pouring champagne all over each other and it was just nudity and just sex everything was going on and then like an hour later all those people were in a homeless shelter they were completely ready to kill themselves I've never seen remember do you remember because like Uh, There were like three Patriot fans out of 5,000 people. And these three guys were jumping up and down at the end when they won. And uh, there were literally 97% of 5,000 people were literally hanging their heads and walking to their cars completely depressed.
2: I'm watching a video right now, uh, allegedly from the first inning of the game today. And there are people who walk up the ramp and just... You know they're sitting in their seats and they get up and there's like a stream of people going up to the concourse. That's right, because they—that's it. They Watch leave. That. You're down ten nothing in the first. The game's game. over.
1: Not only that, but they quit. Like so, now they'll deny it. They'll deny it till the cows come home because they don't have the the onions to admit that they all piked and packed it in. Did you see their faces in the dugout? They were hanging. Literally, it was like hangman's corner. The entire team was like crying and hanging their heads. They quit. They gave up after the first inning. They literally went through the motions for nine innings. What a joke. I have, and I have nothing bad against the Braves. My buddy's the president of the Braves, right? I mean, He won't admit he's buddies with me. But believe me, he's buddies with me. He won't admit he knows me. No one admits they know me because they, then they, people start asking questions. They're like, "You hung out with that guy?" Because he's nothing but trouble. That's right.
3: Let's review for us. I'm so, way more fun than
1: all of them. I can guarantee you.
3: 2014 Hawks go 60 and 22, get swept in the conference finals by the Cavaliers. They lost their hockey team to Winnipeg. Their football team blows a 25 point. I was the play-by-play play guy of the hockey team. <laughs> and now. The baseball team—they blame me for that 10 too. Runs in the first Do you remember
1: Carver I, They blame me for their—they uh, blame me. I was the only person they fired on the team that lost sixty-seven games. You were the only
2: one who didn't come back for the second season.
1: The only one, so they got rid of me. And I am like, players,
2: the coaches, the executives, everybody came back. Listen,
1: You know what came back? Three more years of paychecks came back. I'll tell you who's the sucker. I got a four-year deal guaranteed how you like them apples every two weeks for four years they sent me money i bet they enjoyed that like the mets enjoy giving bobby Bonilla a birthday present every year there's nothing better than getting paid to do nothing and then watch you guys go broke and move to winnipeg that's even better because and have you ever heard one fan call this show carver high ever and say that i wasn't the best thing about the team have you ever heard one say that I wasn't the most entertaining thing?
2: Pretty much everybody says.
1: So they didn't like me because I did fake fights. I did everything. I was entertaining. Because when you lose 9-1 to one every night, you better be entertaining because your hockey team certainly wasn't. So anyway, uh, so what, and what other failures do you have for me?
3: Yeah, well, the Hawks went 60-22. Okay. Lost, got swept in the conference. Okay. 25-point lead in the Super Bowl. Right. And in the first inning now, 10 runs. It's a bad stretch for the last decade of, for the uh, city of Atlanta.
1: First of all, the basketball team has never mattered, ever. Not once, ever. Ever, ever. Not once, ever. Even when they had Dominique, they didn't matter. They didn't. He never sniffed it. So uh, I've been there for all of it. I was there for all the losing. I was there for everything. And uh, this is so unbelievably embarrassing. It is like, you know, I I would love to be a fly on the wall tomorrow on, like, the radio stations in Atlanta. Like what, the game and the fan and all the rest. Can you imagine Domino and Shalini doing their show tomorrow and your boy, uh, uh, who's our guy uh, down there? Kincaid. John Kincaid, Buck and Kincaid, Buck Ballou and Kincaid. Can you imagine the abuse? I told
3: Kincaid when I was working with him earlier this year that the Cardinals would beat the Braves in the postseason. And he gave me it all saying, you're insane if you think that, you can't possibly think that. I had a nice conversation with him earlier. Oh, today you had yes, a nice I made sure how to text did, him. How did that go? He uh, stopped responding after a while. Okay.
1: Well, I love Kincaid, but I will say this I'd rather listen to a show tomorrow. To, can you even imagine what it's like to. And this is, I could care less about. I'm friends with all these people. So I love all the. Uh, I love Kincaid. I love uh, Domino, Cellini, all these guys I'm friends with. Right. And uh, my buddy Derek Schiller runs the Braves. I love all of them. But. I think that, like, can you imagine? I wouldn't even want to go to work tomorrow if I hosted a radio show.
2: Still not as bad as doing the show the morning after that Super Bowl. Uh,
1: the, both That's of the them. Worst. Can you imagine doing either or?
2: Super Bowl's the worst.
1: The, the day after that? This
2: is second, but this the Super Bowl was the worst.
1: But what do you do tomorrow with that job? What what do you do? You go to work, and what do you say? What, I mean, what could you possibly say other than we suck monkey satchel? And the, and the
2: other big difference between the two is in the Super Bowl, like, they had the game. They were gonna win, right? They, they were winning the Super Bowl by twenty-five. Whereas today, they were never in the game. The game was over before you sat down. It's a, it's a little. Bit I don't different. ever
1: remember seeing a game ever of this magnitude be ten nothing in the first inning. There's only one game
2: that comes close to me, but it was over the first two innings. What was it? Game seven oh four Yankees Red Sox at the stadium, when Damon hit the grand slam off of Javi Vasquez, and it was like eight nine nothing by the second inning. That was a bad night, too. That was game seven of the ALCS. When they won four they straight. They came back from, from 3-0 down.
1: That was the worst four days of my life, I think, right there. I should be uh, dead as well from that four-day stretch. I remember drinking. I, w- I was eating glass at that point. After I drank the bottle of whiskey, I'd, I'd eat the glass, uh, the bottle. I'd eat the entire bottle.
0: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you.